0: You ready mm-hmm. all right three two one hello and welcome back to the imagine two people podcast we are your hosts josh and anna anna how are you doing today i'm
1: doing good how are you
0: i'm good i'm good hey, this is a really interesting podcast um one that we've discussed before mm-hmm. um, but recently i stumbled upon the brookings i've seen them before they mm-hmm. are a nonprofit based out of dc and they mm-hmm. basically do a whole bunch of research and they try to formulate ideas to help society i see They've been doing it for well over a century now. They've been... Wow. This came out in 2013, this this article that they had, so it's oh, kind wow. of old. Yeah. But since then, a lot of different um, articles have been written on this. I'm mm-hmm. sure there's been podcasts about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't able to find any, which is why I'm like, maybe we should do a podcast <laughs> about it. But it's a fascinating topic, yeah. and as usual, I'm drawn toward data and yes. I like data. Yeah. Um, and they pulled a whole bunch of data and they tried to figure out what is it that causes a divide between people who are in the middle class mm-hmm. and then people who are considered poor
1: mm-hmm. in
0: the disadvantaged class. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, what is it about the differences between those two classes um, that causes them to be there? Is there sort of a unbreachable wealth gap mm-hmm. Um, They call it the cycle of poverty. If you ever want to do a Wikipedia deep dive, there's a whole (laughs) Wikipedia subpage that cites this research, Mm -hmm. um, talking about the cycles of poverty and how most of the policies that have been implemented over the past 20 years Mm -hmm. have been aimed at trying to lift up the people in the cycle of poverty, poor, disadvantaged youth, uh, single mothers, people like that. And trying to get as many of them as possible to push into the middle class,
1: right? So the this article talks about uh, some personal, individual factors that people that become part of the middle class have, and people that do not become part of the middle class have at a similar age, right? So it's what what can an individual do to uh, raise above uh, rise above their um, class.
0: Yeah, let me read just this one sent, this one paragraph from the article, um, and feel free to look up the rest if you're interested. It's a pretty short read, um, and I'll just start here. In addition to the thousands of local and national programs that aim to help young people avoid these life-altering problems, we should figure out ways, uh, more ways to convince young people that their decisions will greatly influence whether they avoid poverty and enter the middle class. Uh, let politicians, school teachers, administrators, community leaders, ministers, and parents drill into children the message that in a free society, mm-hmm. they enter adulthood with three major responsibilities at least finish high school, mm-hmm. get a full time job, and wait until age 21 to get married and to have children. Mm-hmm. Our research shows, and this is the Brookings research, our research shows that of American adults who follow these three simple rules, Only about two percent are in poverty and nearly 75 percent have joined the middle class, which is defined as earning $55,000 or more per year. Yep Um, and it goes on to say there's other there's other factors, but it seems to be a big three driving these right so the three responsibilities the three things that can all but guarantee that you'll enter the middle class is finishing high school. Mm-hmm. So not even any extra higher education, but right. just finishing your high school, yeah. which I think is a, isn't that a um, a legal requirement? Like you can't just drop out of school. I do
1: not know how um, education the educational system works in the US. In my country, you can drop out of school and it's fine. Like I, I used to miss school a lot and nobody ever called my family mm-hmm. to check on me. It, like as, as long as I did the minimum time that I had to, I would pass. And I was a good student, so nobody really cared. But I don't know how things are here. I, I, you told me this before, that like kids have to be in school. But in Brazil, most of my family didn't graduate high school.
0: You have to, I think, until a certain age. Mm. Um, and then you have the option to obviously drop. And no one is forcing anyone to go to university or I see. Um, any type of higher education. So finishing high school, getting a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I, I guess, essentially saying you have to be working 40 hours a week. Right. Um, so you're going in Monday through Friday or whatever, that however that works out. Mm-hmm. Um, and wait, and this is an interesting one, wait until age 21 to get married and have children. Mm-hmm. So it's saying you can get married and have children, but if you do it before 21, you're at a higher risk of being um poor essentially not being in the middle class and then preventing yourself from ever entering the middle class
1: yeah do you think that those are like the three the biggest factors to help people in poverty too uh, you know rise above their conditions.
0: It's interesting because the next paragraph goes into that it. it says consider an example today more than 40% and this was written back in 2013. Mm-hmm. So it's probably just um, More pronounced today.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because you know, we have a, a all-time high uh, fatherless right. um, uh, Situation and it seems to be, be getting country. worse. Yeah,
0: um, but it says today more than 40% of American children including more than 70% of black children and 50% of Hispanic children are born outside of marriage wow. this unprecedented rate of non-marited non-marital births uh, combined with the na- the nation's high divorce rate means that around half the children will spend part of their childhood or for a considerable number of these people the whole childhood in a single parent family yeah um, as hard as a single parent try to give their children a healthy home environment children in female-headed families are four times more likely as children from married couple families to live in poverty. Yeah. Um, in turn, poverty is associated with a ri- wide range, a wide range of negative outcomes in children, including school dropout and out of wedlock birth. So it's yeah. like a cycle.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: If you were born um, with just a mother, right. it's more likely that you will have a child out of wedlock yeah. as well.
1: Yeah, and, and, and that, you know, usually it's the story. I mean, I have that story of my own family, my grandmother she she actually was married and she had seven children but then my grandfather left her when all the children were young very very young they were like tiny i think one of them the the youngest one was a baby when he left and you know she was a, a single black woman with seven kids Wow. And she, at, at and to a certain point, she depended on other people's charity for her, you know, to give her a room to live with her kids. And she started working at someone's house, like cleaning, cooking, and they would feed her kids while, you know, give them breakfast. But all of them had to start working when they should go to school. So like my mom and all of her siblings, they all dropped school by fourth grade. And, you know, they could read, they could write, they could do simple math, but then, when they had their own children, uh, they couldn't help w- with, with the homework exactly, and they could never have a job that you know required more education because they didn't have that opportunity. And it was not because of them; it was because their mom worked as hard as she could her whole life. But when you're one, and then you have seven children besides yourself to feed and to sustain, your options are very, very limited. So for all of her children you know uneducated the way that they were most of them um you know all the women got pregnant as teens my mom got pregnant without knowing she could get pregnant because she was so uneducated and then
0: so remind me on that so it's just a lack of um sexual health education yeah i
1: mean they were very my my grandmother um society in brazil it's very um, um Conservative, which is not a bad thing. And, and you know, you don't really talk about sex with your kids. And grandma was alone, so she never, like, had a conversation with them. I mean, they were in school, so how the heck would they know, um, you know, this is what you do, this is what you don't do. They just worked. They didn't have time for that. When I see American families talking about problems like, you know, um, like, kids bullying your kids in school and they want like organizations and the government to get involved Just like it's you guys are so privileged that this is the kind of thing that you worried about someone called you fat like what the heck just ignore it and <laughs> keep walking don't do that or like someone hit you hit them back like in my mind it's so much harder like the way that i grew up because they didn't have time to solve these issues they were on a lower level of the issues were more primitive So third world
0: problems versus first world problems.
1: Exactly. So, you know, they worked all the time. You know, they sold food uh, on the street. Like they sold food uh, outside of like um, stadiums. Mom started working for people when she was 11 years old. And she tells me that all the time. Wow. (laughs) And, you know, for me, I'm a third generation. So I grew up not traumatized, but like super concerned that that was going to happen to me. And I decided, like I was so worried about it that I was like, I cannot get pregnant at 15 years old. I can't, because I know what that made you know, my mother and, and her sister's lives become. My godmother was the only one that graduated high school and she wanted to go to college, but then she got pregnant. Hmm. And then she had to do the same thing because the father also left. And they were all single mothers, by the way. So they had to take care of themselves and their kids in a very, very young age without an education. And that was super, super hard, you know. And at some point, they needed government assistance and anything that they could uh, get. But for me, you know, for, for my mom, she was, like, the second one. So for her, the cycle was just starting. And for me, was, like, I, I could see what happened. Hmm. And I finished school. So I knew, just, like, I, I know if I, you know, make one misstep and I just stop here... I don't I'm not going to have a chance to become something more. I wanted to travel, I wanted to live abroad, I wanted to learn another language, and I did it. But I only did it because I I could do all those things. I could finish school, I could study, I didn't have any kids, so I could only take care of myself. I could become an au pair and if you have kids, you can't. You can't come to the US um you know pregnant or if you're married or you know. And and how would I come with a kid waiting for me in Brazil like you you can do that. Um, so I could have this wild, this a uh, wide range of options that uh, the generation before me didn't have because the generation before them was messed up. Mm. So you know, I like this list because these are all things that I experienced, and they were very real and they're very objective. They are not talking about the difficulties in the homes of, you know, two parent homes or everything that you can go through individually but they're talking about you know these general objective things that if you do you're probably gonna do okay
0: with a 90 percent chance and i suppose even two percent still which is the minority but it's still two percent will end up in poverty even following these rules Mm -hmm. but the vast majority uh will enter the middle class and i think that's interesting but You know with your with your with your aunt with your godmother she had the ability and the desire and the wherewithal to uh want to get higher education Mm -hmm. but just being a good mother she had to take care of her kid right so it's like it has nothing to do with with at that point your list of options just just narrows right incredibly fast
1: exactly and they had to take care of, of my grandmother which was the generation before so like imagine you uh you know and you have yourself to take care of as an adult and then you have a kid but your parents also can't sustain themselves so you have to make a living for yourself for your kids and for your parents hmm. and that's just you can't you can't just you know decide that you have a dream <laughs> and you go after your dreams you have to be very very strong and you know have a certain mindset and and lucky like luck pays a, a plays a part in that if you get someone to help watching the kids or, you know, if you're in a, in a country or in a place where being an entrepreneur is encouraged, which in Brazil, it's not so much. Like mm. you need so much to start if you want a business or something that, you know, for, for a lot of people, that's just not possible.
0: Right. Right. It's not a viable option. This is um, something, you know, that you and I have talked about um uh, frequently over over the, the past year, just um, thinking about, okay, hypothetically, mm-hmm. you know, let's say that we're president tomorrow. Mm-hmm. What's something we could do policy-wise that could help lift people into the middle class? Mm-hmm. Or what's the most effective way of doing that? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, some people might argue it's not a government solution mm-hmm. at all. Um, like, I feel like if you talk to um, a youth group leader, or a minister, or a pastor, they might say, "Well, there's a spiritual problem.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, people um, are having more sex before marriage, or something like that." Mm-hmm. If you talk to um, a politician, they might say, "Well, we don't have enough programs to help uh, disadvantaged youth and give them opportunities." Um, yeah,
1: which is not true in the US.
0: No, it's not in the US. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to go to school for example And you have no money whatsoever to your name. Mm-hmm. There are programs for that and there are yeah. programs like FAFSA um, Financial student aid programs where you can fill out your income and your parents income and they will give you aid Accordingly to that. Right, right. Um, And I feel like the I just I struggle because I, I I'm in my ignorance I'm still learning about all of this mm-hmm. coming from a privileged background um, mm-hmm. and realizing just how much luck and how many blessings I had to get to this point um, I struggle with knowing okay what is the right answer for helping the most amount of people well because this, this article does a good job I think of framing what are some of the potential issues and what are the some of the potential things that can hold people back yeah but okay so what you know yeah. like what do you do from here
1: right right Um, well and this is not a solution this is just a commentary I think most of these problems they start being solved all of them actually they start being solved with a good family and a good family is not a family with money a good family is a family with a mom and a dad and you know there's I, I've heard so many people talking about well you can grow up with a mom and a dad but the dad is abusive or they have a terrible relationship and you grow up scarred and you know you're gonna suffer from a bad relationship because they stay together just because of the kids and the truth is that data does not support that I think that people that grew up with both parents and they had traumas because of that they underestimate the amount of trauma that they would have with just one parent mm, that's like, interesting that is th- there is no such thing as a perfect family a good family is not a a family that you know you're so happy to be born there I remember growing up and at some point I was just so frustrated to be part of the family that I was not because I didn't love my family and and you know I grew up to realize that my familys they've done so much with what was given to them right but as a kid I would just like you know we didn't have much and I couldn't do anything and you know we 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 had such a terrible situation and I I it took me a while like growing up and learning things and maturing really just like a normal person to realize like wow they my mother and and her sisters they've done so much uh, with their lives they were just dealt a very shitty you know uh, deck of cards and they are some of the um happiest people i know like in in terms of just like they laugh of their bad situation instead of getting like resentful and blaming the government or blaming society or blaming like racism. They've never done that. It's just like what can we do? And they do it. Mm -hmm. And you know I, I grew up to have good people around me, but it was very difficult not to have a father figure. And I think for um people just do not give the right importance on growing up with a mom and a dad. Just having a home with two figures. And, and knowing your place, knowing where you belong. And then you grow up and you have more chances. And this, this is supported by data that people, we just read this, that people that grow up in a one-parent home, they just have four or more chances of um, going to a poverty line or committing crimes or going to jail. And and this happens before you get to the age of getting a, a program Uh, from the government getting help from the government you getting in the system being in a good home starts before then you get the chance to go to school then you get a chance to get a job that it's it's when you're born you have to be born that so that's the primary thing if you don't have a good family and if you don't have like a um a good family structure you know with a a father and a mother then you're up to a bad start it's like
0: an uphill battle exactly cards are stacked against you Yeah. You know, it's interesting because this actually segues into the next paragraph of Mm -hmm. this article um, talking about what the former mayor of New York City did, Michael Bloomberg. Mm -hmm. He did some advertising campaigns in subways and and various areas where um, just the general populace would be able to see these these billboards. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were trying to um, encourage people to think about, you know... um, the potential outcome of their actions revolving around teen pregnancy and things like that right let me read this here the recent attacks by Planned Parenthood on Michael Bloomberg New York City's mayor for launching a campaign designed to inform teenagers of the consequences of teen pregnancy provides a good example of how many in society face the effects of non-marital births in teen in teen mothers and their children in one of the campaign posters a baby with tears rolling down his face says I'm twice as likely not to graduate high school because you had me as a teen. Another shows a girl saying to her mom, chances are he won't stay with you. What happens to me? Planned Parenthood criticized the ad. Um, The ad's displayed in the subways and bus shelters for ignoring racial bias or ignoring racial and economic factors that contribute to teen pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, Other critics say the ad stigmatized parents and their children. Mm -hmm. So basically teen... uh, Basically, I guess what... Planned Parenthood is upset at us saying this affects a certain minority more than other minorities mm-hmm. so this is not okay to talk about mm-hmm.
1: um, they they are upset because they're saying like well you're considering teen pregnancies but you're not considering what factors lead to teen pregnancy which they're not wrong sure but um you know that's that's an objective thing like you know you have a bunch of factors that are proper to you. They belong to your life. Maybe your family is a certain way. Maybe your neighborhood is a certain way. Maybe you went to school. Maybe you didn't. But that those are very subjective. Uh, but what we know is that if you become pregnant as a teen, then your life is going to become very difficult. And you might get very lucky. And, you know, you marry the guy and you have a different life. But the chances are against you. The odds are against you. And I think... I don't know how i feel about these ads but i i know that i i i like the objectivity like this is something objective that if you do you know chances are you're not gonna ha- you're gonna have a more difficult life than you would if you didn't get pregnant right um i think that and i i want to i don't know how, what you think about it but i think that we live in a society that doesn't like stigmas we see stigmas as a bad thing like oh we have to normalize everything And normalizing everything, in my opinion, is not a good idea. Because if you do that with any other species, you go wrong. If you tell, you know, um, zebras. If they could understand you and you told zebras, like, you know, just be more acceptive of lions. You know, just hang around with them. They, they're good people. And, you know, if you like to hang out with lions, just do it. You should be able to do whatever you want. They will do that and get eaten, most probably. Maybe they won't. Maybe the lions are full that day when they're hanging <laughs> out. But most probably you will. And if you if you just normalize certain behaviors, that are they're factually Proved that you will have a difficult life if you do that, then we are not helping anybody. We're just sounding cool. You just want to sound like you're, you know, you're open minded and you're accepting everything, but you're not doing anybody a favor. Mostly people, they're teenagers and kids, and they do not know who they are. You are like we, the grown ups, are the ones that are supposed to tell them, like, listen, these are the things that I wish I knew when I was young. I wish I knew that how important it is to actually get all the opportunities that I was handed. I wish I knew how important it was to have a father in my house. I wish I had someone to help me get an education. You know, I was lucky enough to get an education, even despite of all the odds against me. But I'm the, the exception. I am not the rule. So if we just tell kids that it's okay, you know, you can do whatever you want, free yourself and, you know, wear all the clothes you want, listen to all the music you want, that, you know, with all the bad messages, and we don't have a counter message to that, to all the bad culture There were, you know... Um, sowing in in our society then how the heck are we gonna help these people you know
0: it comes from I think we would both agree it comes from a good place where you say, you know, we're all different people And so we need to create a culture where everything's acceptable So no one feels like they're left out or gets their feelings hurt mm-hmm. um, The problem I have with that on its face is that there are certain things that are objective truths mm-hmm. Like people who are morbidly obese are at high risk for just about every type of illness out there mm-hmm. and their life expectancy uh, drops dramatically to avoid health messages to obese people just because you don't want to hurt their feelings right. i think is um much more cruel to those people
1: right i also i also don't like the the feeling of it's almost a uh, condescending like you look at people that have problems and and you could give them motivation to get away from those problems but you don't want to hurt their feelings because you think that they can't take it or if, if you feel like you're going to offend them. But that's so condescending because you don't know how another person is going to react, what they can take, or what they're expecting for, what they're waiting for. Some people just need the motivation to live a different life, the encouragement. And Jordan Peterson talks about this a lot, like that people need so little encouraged to do things, like to change their lives, to do something, to start moving towards what they want in life, but they don't have that. And if I think that we confused we mistake like comfort for progress Mm -hmm. you want to make people more comfort so you don't tell them you know that they're dying slowly you don't tell them that their actions are really bad you don't tell them that they're in a bad situation that they they, need get out of there you make things comfortable for them like oh we can't talk about this so instead let's get all the programs to help the kids that were already born and are in a bad situation let's get like welfare uh problem um programs to help feed the people in poverty they're not gonna leave poverty you're just helping them after the problem already happened, but you're not helping, you know, the problem stop happening in the first place.
0: That's interesting. It's almost um, it, it's a good intention, but it's not solving the root issue. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, it's, it's just I feel like the, the people like, you know, the, the in, in this case, they were fighting against uh, these ads or any any of these conversations happening like they're catering to themselves. They just want to feel good about who they are. And most people don't tell the difference. You know that you're doing that for you and you're trying to help the other. But when, when this kind of conversation happens, I see a lot of people just wanting to feel good about who they are as a person.
0: Yeah, And this is important here. I think this, this point uh, sort of drives what we're both saying home. Mm. It says teenagers are capable of understanding principles and using them to help make better decisions. Anyone who delivers messages to teens about the consequences of decisions that could affect them um, and others for many years should be praised and not criticized. Right. Um, and, and I would I would, I would highly agree with that. Like when I was a teen, yeah. I wasn't an idiot. Like if someone right. tells me something, it might hurt my feelings. It might make me not feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't dumb and I could still hear what they're telling me. And if they're yeah. saying, you know, oh, if you get, if you have sex before marriage, if you... you you know, you're more likely to have a kid out of wedlock. And if you have a kid out of wedlock, you're more likely to be um, in lower, uh, lower income status. Right. You know, that's not very difficult for a teenager to understand. Right. But I think it's important that these messages are said. Right. So it's not the very first time they're hearing about it. But you know people will still make their own decisions and that's very important so i guess that's i guess what we're doing with this podcast is exactly what bloomberg is trying to do just trying to get a message out you know yeah. i wish there was more we could do uh to solve the root issue
1: yeah i mean there's so many people that starts uh, um companies and nonprofits and organizations that or movements that they to help kids and to help people in a bad situation and i've i've uh, um you know I follow a bunch, and I've met a bunch, and I, I I like it because all of them have a personal story. They go like, you know, I was walking in this neighborhood one day, and I saw, like, the kids doing things that they shouldn't, and then they started a sports program for those kids and started a mentorship kind of program, but you need a personal um, a personal factor. Like, I felt like I needed to do something, and people, you know, need that, and they can't because... You know, ideas are the only things that really change the world, and they start in us. So I know that, you know, personally, I made different choices uh, because I I looked and I saw, like, how those other choices end up as, and I wanted a different life. And as a teenager, like you said, I was perfectly capable of understanding it. I, I put myself away from like relationships on purpose because I knew I wanted to leave and I knew I didn't want a kid. I was just like, I do not want to mess up. Like I I was too strict to myself, with myself, you know? But there's so much power and people just growing up sometimes in a bad situation like I did and then learning with that bad situation to help others or, you know, having actually a better life than you could otherwise, because you know what's the op- other option for experience, like w- with your own experience. So I, I think there's just so much power in people just being people. Individuals can do so much more than we think they can, and it's just, um there's, there's, it's good to have this conversation, and it's good that you know, someone is trying to get messages out there that it's possible to have a better life. It's possible to make, uh, uh, different, um, choices. And even if you made bad choices, you still have time to, you know, get a better future for yourself. It's never too late. And there's so many examples out there. And, you know, it's just, it inspires me how people can be, you know, awesome. If they really want to even coming from a bad situation some of the best stories that we have at all times you know in terms of someone who inspires people come from you know people that had nothing and then they made something for themselves because they decided to so never underestimate the power of your own personal decisions they they matter more than you know
0: they do and 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 I guess what this article would also um, try to say is that your your decisions impact uh, everyone else around you, and right. impact your the next generation. Right. One other point I wanted to touch on briefly before we end the podcast is: Do you think that there is a potential solution um, of government solution to this? Yeah. There are things out there right now which I think are not a bad thing. If uh, you know a guy meets girl, a guy knocks her up, you know mm-hmm. she has a kid, and then he splits and he runs out. You know she can basically uh, tell the authorities. You know, like this guy. Um, Knock Me Up, it's his kid, and now he's gone, and he has to provide alimony. He has to provide, like, payments, basically. Right. You know, because that's his decision and we live in a free society right. so he can make that decision if he wants but, but he has to take the responsibility right if you're going to screw up and you're going to screw someone over mm-hmm. now you have a financial obligation to right. take care of that kid right i don't think that's a bad thing it's holding people accountable yeah. to the decisions that they make
1: right if a mother has to raise the kid then a father has to provide for the kid that's only fair
0: right right and i'm just wondering like you know, I know very little about this topic um, legally, but mm-hmm. I'm curious if there's any other potential opportunities for to encourage people to um, make better decisions when it comes to their. I
1: think every chance to invest in it on the individual, it's a good I- it's a good idea too. If if they do like they make it easier for you to get um, a loan to go to college. Um, and then anybody can apply to that. So everybody you know, takes, takes um, their share on that. And then you have these counter effects like the courses in, in universities get more expensive, sure. people get more debt because of something that was so general right. and did not help anybody. You just now have a lot of debt now on you. Now we
0: have an entire generation of millennials that are stuck with all this debt. They right. call them the doomer generation <laughs> caused by the boomers. Right. So I guess what you're saying, and I agree with that. But I, so
1: so the other point, like this is one option. This is a general option. The, the personal individual option is, if you are a kid and you're Uh, disprivileged and you need help then the state helps you like they give you a voucher a voucher for education so you can get to a private school if you have the skills and or if you know you can get to a college for a a scholarship but it's a a scholarship based on the individual based on you know one student getting sponsored and not the institute getting um, so it's
0: it's merit-based it's individual merit based um, financial, well, financial kind assistance well
1: kind of because if 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 you're trying to help um, people that are disprivileged then you need to make that a factor right like you can't apply if you're if you have the money that's to help students to get like in programs that help them have a better job in programs that help help them get the skills that they need to pass college if you have like preparation courses to take to you know the test to get in college you know, get help for those because then you learn the things that you need to learn to go to college. So, so in, in my mind, like, you know, whoever wants to think about the programs like that, like that's what I got for to go to college, by the way, I was, I had the right grades, which were not great grades, but I had the right grades and I was poor enough that I applied for this program and the government gave me a voucher and I could go to a very, very, very good university. And study with everybody who, you know, just paid to be there. But they also had the grades. So it's just like you're, you're um, giving the student a chance to be on a place that they couldn't otherwise. And, of course, like I said, that is completely like you need to have the grades. So maybe it will help students to get courses to have the grades, you know, so they learn the basics. So they try to go to college or maybe they will learn a skill to just get a job and not go to college, but you can be a technician or, you know, just something better for yourself than you would if you have no education and no skill otherwise.
0: We've talked about this before, but one idea that I've, I've, I've kicked around was um – I think it's possible to... Financially incentivizing companies through um, either direct payments or um, tax credits Mm -hmm. for the number of disprivileged use that they create a program for in terms of like internships and rotational programs. Mm -hmm. Say you have... a city like Baltimore, and Baltimore is surrounded by manufacturing. Mm-hmm. You take a manufacturing company like McCormick, mm-hmm. McCormick Spikes is in, is in Baltimore. You say, okay, well, this is next to this uh, city that has a lot of disprivileged youths. What if we give uh, McCormick an incentive to say, okay, if they set up a program where they have these uh, recruiting events that happen in the inner cities and for each individual uh, student or person they bring in for a summer internship, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, they will get twenty thousand dollars in tax credits, right. so they can deduct that, and this is essentially cash. Right, and that could potentially give someone um, an employment bump because now they have experience right. for that summer at a very good company, right. doing things, the uh, technical things, um, and you could have them um, get paid as well with that. Some of the internships I had were paid in college, right. um, at manufacturing companies. And I worked at minimum wage-paying jobs at like Panera in the food industry, mm-hmm. um, and you make very little doing mm-hmm. that. But this engineering internship that I had, I made about double, mm-hmm. about two and a half times what I made at Panera. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it didn't, it didn't materialize into an actual job. It was just right. just summer experience, yeah. um, something to do while I was between. Um, semesters between seasons yeah um i think that could be awesome for financially helping um disprivileged youth give them some cash and then all you know, which gives them the taste of like this is the kind of money you can make right. and then also giving them something to put on their resume so yeah. that if they're applying they can be like and- well,
1: and give them the chance of knowing that they can do that. Yeah. Like, oh, that's a job that I I can actually do. They'll
0: see it. They'll be inside one of these companies that they might have never been able to step in before mm-hmm. given the lack of resume experience they had right. and whatever opportunities or lack of opportunities they had in their in their their social circle. Right. And I, I'm a strong believer in that everything in the world works off incentives. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you, you might want to deliver a message and be like, this is the way the world needs to be. And everyone's like, yay. And it's like, but nothing <laughs> changes because right. no incentive was changed. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's possible that a financial incentive for a private company mm-hmm. um, could be the answer here. Just not some exorbitant amount of money, but like ten to $20,000 per student um, per, per summer internship program.
1: Right. I wonder how that would go because I think that that could be a good thing. It could be a better thing than the forced... Um, you you forcely has to you you have to give that spot in your company to you know a minority, it's which comp- I I do not think it's no a good it shouldn't
0: thing. be forced. I think it should be elective. We do that all the time, um, just with college interns and things like that. I've had interns that have worked for me for a summer, um, mm-hmm. and you help them, give them assignments and things like that for them to just say okay now we're we're starting a new program where each of you can get an intern from this area or from this this uh, recruiting event or this this city here, whatever the closest city is to where you're working, um, it would be no different than just getting an intern from, oh, we got an intern from VTech or from Penn State or, you know, something like that. It'd be no different. Um, and it's an opportunity for you to um, basically give someone some of the work that maybe you don't want to do. Right. You know, just some some basic pencil pushing. Right. You know, but that's valuable skill.
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if the companies. If the companies are smart enough, then they would give, like, you know, low responsibility jobs, but still inside the company. Because then, you know, they don't have a lot to lose if the lack of skills, you know, that these these kids will show will just, like, make them lose a lot of money. That's the, no. It, it, it doesn't happen. So if they do that, and it's something like, oh, this is actually working, then, you know, it can be a win-win situation. Huge. I wonder how that would go, or if that already exists. Do you think that already exists?
0: Um not that i know of um, but if it does it is not being done enough mm-hmm. i know that for a fact it is not being done cuz i've never heard of it right. i've recruited for jobs i've been myself inside of interviews hundreds mm-hmm. of interviews and i've i've either gotten a job i've also lost jobs because i didn't have certain experience there was a, there was an engineering position that i lost Uh, Because I hadn't done time studies before Mm -hmm. the time studies are so simple You're just standing there with a stopwatch and you're recording how long it takes someone to do something Mm -hmm. Anyone can do that. Mm -hmm. You don't need a high school degree to do that Mm -hmm. You know, you could teach pretty much anyone from any background to do that Mm -hmm. and that's a thing that Engineers, especially the ones that I work with, we don't like doing time studies because it can be hours and hours of just sitting there right. and we'd rather do more technical things. But it's still a technical thing to do that. Right. And so that, that that's an opportunity I see for my particular job where I'm right. like, if we were given an intern that could do some of these things, they would get valuable STEM level engineering experience at a high technical company, highly so, technical company. So
1: maybe like, I don't know how it works because I've never been to school here, like really high school. Um, but maybe if we, you know, the government made a goal of putting these programs out there for every high school students while they're in school. You know, make, make a field trip to, you know, a, a, a fabric and, you know, make the teachers distribute like pamphlets with all the opportunities that they get. Do you guys have they that? They
0: do some of that. Mm. I know that in the last engineering company I worked for up in New Jersey, we constantly had, and I shouldn't say constantly, it was like once every couple months we had a school group come through. It was usually high schoolers. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, they definitely seem like high school age and they would come through about 15 to 20 of them led by a chaperone Mm -hmm. And they would tour our facility where we were manufacturing automotive and aerospace um, Mm -hmm. Supplies basically Mm -hmm. Um, And I saw them walking through and you know, it was like so high school It was like some of them didn't care at all and didn't want to be there Some people were like very interested and then some, a lot of people were just talking to their friends, right? But they were walking through and they were being shown, you know, how the process works, what the products are. They could they could hold the products in their hands and say, This is built here and they would show them around. Right. Um, and there were some opportunities to talk to the kids to say, like, you know, th- you know, what job do you do? And you said, Well, as an industrial engineer, I help improve the process and what right. that means is blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I give them some real world examples. Um and, and there are opportunities for that in high mm-hmm. schools. That there, I don't know if it's every high school. I don't I'm sure some do better than others. Um, right. but I but had like-
1: more of, of of like the teachers talking about the programs that they can apply for. I like, see, yeah. Oh, you can apply for this, you can apply for this. And if they have the opportunity to go to the fabrics where those programs are being, because maybe they go like, oh, this is kind of cool, I want to work here. Maybe you know, I'll learn something or something. Because that's how I got, uh, I didn't know how to apply to college. Like this is how little, nobody helped me. <laughs> like there was no help. My I family see. was not, if I needed help with um, homework, I asked my godmother, which was the one that, you know, uh, actually finished high school, and she knew a lot, but if if it was something more complicated, and she didn't remember, and she couldn't help, then I would have to go to the library, and ask for, you know, whoever worked it, like, can you help me with this, or I would just go to school and copy off my friends, like, I didn't know how to answer this, Um, but I only got to actually know which college I wanted to go to, what course I wanted to go to and how to apply because they took us like to this fair and a university and I was like I really want to I really want to do this and they explained what every major was and what they did in those majors and you know I got interested in one and then I saw a friend of mine who talked about this university that his sister went to and then was like just go to their website and figure it out it's like okay and then I did that. I didn't even have a computer. I went to my uncle's house and did that. But it was just because they exposed it to me, you Mm -hmm. know, because I would never have thought of certain things because I didn't think that they existed. So just someone told me like, hey, this exists and then I can look it up, you know. But if I don't know that something exists, I'm not even going to think about looking that up. Or, you know, some people would just not have that, in, that self-incentive of just like, I'm just going to look up every opportunity that right. I can. Because if you're that type of person, you're going to be successful no matter what. But if you're not, you know, just the exposure, someone telling you like, this is something that you guys can do. And it would be good for you.
0: It's huge. It's huge. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, well, the first best line of defense um, against potential threats to the family and potential um, avenues of information are the parents. Mm-hmm. It starts with the parents. Everything kind of starts with that family union right. unit. And if your family unit is damaged or broken or shattered and non-existent completely, so your right. foster care, the next line of defense is whoever the state put in your care uh, or put to, to mentor over you, whether teachers... Um, uh,
1: that's pretty much it
0: and then i guess what would be the next line of defense after that it's like you hope that let's say the teacher screwed up let's say the parents screwed up um and they're not getting information then the only thing left is they're walking down a subway and they look over and they see something (laughs) bloomberg put there you know it's 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 not a very good safety net but it's like almost better than nothing for someone who didn't have parents and then who had really crappy teachers or wasn't in school. Right. Then these these billboards, that's all there is at this point.
1: Right. Yeah. Or whatever
0: they hear from their friends. Yeah. Their social circle. The
1: the social circle is huge. Right. Because you start... A family is the first club that you're part of. Uh, And then after that, you're part of a bunch of clubs. And I think it's so funny that now um you know there's more clubs than ever because there's like the race club like lift up your hand if you're you know part asian or if you're part there is the the um the the sexual club like you know if you're what are your pronouns what what gender are you at like these these the kids today they have so many clubs that they can be part of like this is your identity but then they minimize the Importance of the first club that you belong to, which Your is family. family, and I think that's the reason why there's so many clubs now, because there's so little to none importance being drawn on how important it is having a, a a staple home that you just you really don't know like structure, and it's something that we don't learn like we learn you know math. It's just it's internal, and it, you can't really tell. Um, You just grow up and you act in life. And if you have a stable home, you act better in life for some reason. So, you know, we need to take a step back and go back to the importance of our first club.
0: Sorry about the fire truck that was going by. The importance of the first club. You heard it here first. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Imagine Two People podcast. Please share this with your friends um, and have a great day.